With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. And those are some boobs, by the way. Mackey and Judd. Uh... <laughs> on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Alrighty. We got Myron Medcalf in here. Judd's back on Monday. Judd's uh, bumming around Iowa for graduation parties and things like that, or just ditching out because it's beautiful and wants to go drink on a patio. Maybe that's what he wanted to do all along. That's a great idea. It is yeah. a good idea. Yeah, I'm going to be gone Friday. I've got <laughs> my my niece's cousins. It's my, my wife's making me. He's at Bunny's right now, sitting outside. <laughs> Dave's got some questions for us. Let's do this. I have a question inspired by something I just saw on ESPN. Perhaps you've seen the clips this week, Patrick Beverly's mom, Beverly of the L.A. Clippers, cleaning up on prices right earlier this <laughs> yeah, week. We were just watching that. Yep. <laughs> $41,000 in prizes, couple cars. Uh, I think she won some cash, too. Won the big showcase. Easy question. If you were to guarantee yourself absolute domination on any TV game show, past wow. or present, what would it be? Wow. That is a really, really good question. Of course it is. That's I mean, what the segment's about. Well, two of them come to mind. They're sort of similar, I guess. I always feel inadequate when I watch Jeopardy. Mm. If if I succeed watching Jeopardy like in my own mind, it's just sheer luck or it's just like, oh, a category was sports and yeah. I knew the sports questions and these geeks did not know sports. Buffalo, Minnesota culture for 200, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, there's an Applebee's and a Culver's <laughs> and a Perkins. But I would say... I would throw it back to stump the Schwab. Oh yeah, you I would want to go could in. Beat Schwab? No, your question no was can. what sport would you what, what game show would you like to dominate? Right? I don't think well, I could no, beat I, Schwab. I, I wanted some sort of you know bravado, something you think you could dominate, but that's oh, fine. Double Dare or Legends of the Hidden Temple. It's about five shows there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna pick. <laughs> Le- I'm gonna pick down. Legends of the Hidden Temple. I could find the keys. I could find the keys. Did you guys watch that in Nickelodeon in the 90s, or was oh, I yeah. alone? Okay, oh, no. I, I didn't have it, Nickelodeon at the time. I didn't Double have Dare cable. was great. That's right. I forgot that Dave didn't have Nickelodeon, so he missed out on Double Dare, Hey Dude, Doug, uh, what was Football Head Guy, Hey Arnold in the yeah, mid-90s? Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. What about you? I, I mean, like the shows I think about are still on, but for me, like Wheel of Fortune to, to like dominate yeah. Wheel of Fortune... American Idol? And have, well. <laughs> is that a game show? I mean, technically is it it's kinda, a game show. I'll give it. Yeah, sure. Why not? Well, well, carry if, that's, if that's a game show, put me on Star Search then. Okay. Winning Star Search would have been the biggest thing you could do at the time. That was like pre-American Idol. 
Yeah. Uh, it and was a star could, system, right? You had to get like five stars. And you could do other things besides singing, right? Like you could yeah. do, ma- you could, you could do like magic tricks. It's a talent or, contest. It's ta- yeah, a talent sure. competition. Yeah, yeah. And the host, I can't think of his name. Ed McMahon? Ed, I think it was Ed McMahon. Yeah. So, yeah star Search. Uh, Vince McMahon would have been a better host. Probably would have been. <laughs> Stop. Only two stars? <laughs> You're fired! And uh, we're going to determine between the magician and the fiddle player who wins inside hell in a cell. Now that's a game show right Kane there. Kane comes out and chokeslams everybody. <laughs> Kane, speaking of, who's the mayor that's of right, a town in Kentucky or going to be or whatever. He's, uh, well, he won the Republican primary by yeah. 17 votes in Knox County. And my guess is if you're the Republican nominee in Knox County, I think you got this thing in the back for the fall. I think yeah, you're gonna, in good shape. It's going to work out. No, those, those are my shows. C- current shows will be Family Feud with Steve Harvey. I'd love to be on that and dominate. He's a, okay, there's been a few Family Feud hosts. There was the guy in the, eight, in the 70s and 80s who used to kiss everybody. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. remember his name. Legendary host. But yeah. Steve Harvey, he's, pretty, he's, he's right he's up good, there. He's a, good when he can read the questions. When he when he stumbles through the question, <laughs> like you can't stumble through the questions sure, that's true. in the most important stage when I'm playing fast money. Like if you mess up the question and mess up my rhythm, right? That's a good point. That you know, we ask forty five. Hold on a second. We ask forty two. <laughs> Wait, you know what? We're gonna give you we're gonna give you forty more seconds to answer because I messed up the question. And and then people are always like, "Wait, what?" Like I. Dude, if you can't if you can't read the question and get somebody up here who can, I just love how like he's really good at the pregnant pause when someone says something that's like borderline sexual yeah. or inappropriate, and he just kind of looks at the audience with those yeah. wide eyes. That's, and- <laughs> that's his move. That's his move. But somebody's got to figure out fast money with him. Uh, question number two. I found today a list of. Rules in sports that should be changed immediately. Rules that are just garbage. Uh, on that list, replay. Uh, basically, in any sport, it's gone. It's jumped the shark. It's used way too much, blah, blah, blah. NFL kickoffs is among that. Late timeouts, advancing the ball in the NBA without having to inbound it. That's on that list. I've got a few of my own, but I want you uh, to tell me, pick the sport, pick the rule that absolutely needs to be changed right now. Well, I'll throw this one out, and uh, Myron Medcalf is a longtime college basketball reporter. I think... I think he's going to appreciate this, or maybe maybe you're more of an old soul in this regard. Okay, there's a, there's a lot of drama in college basketball at the end of games, March Madness, because games are like a lot of games are close and there's upsets. You could add so much more drama to college basketball, and yes, it would wipe out the Christian Leitner play because it wouldn't be as dramatic if you allowed teams to advance the ball past half court, calling timeouts in the final minute. I want I want to be able I if 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 and you know. The Christian Leitner play is one of the most legendary plays ever. Yeah. Like, would it would it be as legendary if it was like a quick inbound pass no. and like the home run pass made that play what it is, and then he turns around and shoots it. But if you could advance the ball with a second to go and give your guy a chance, that's the NBA is so much fun because you can like LeBron James instant timeout with point six. Yeah. A couple games ago, it was the game one against the Raptors. Now they clanked uh, the game winner and then won in overtime. But I love that they. They increase the chances of a game-winning shot by advancing the ball to half court if you're good with your timeouts. I am actually really old school, and I'm against that. Wow. I love I, you, Mike. I, I feel, I I feel like you are giving that a team right something. <laughs> I think you're giving a team something they didn't earn. and I, I Totally just, agree, but it's exciting. Yeah. I, I just it, it, There's too much of a chance that you alter the game by helping a team in that situation that's down, right? Or hasn't put themselves in a position to win. I, I I'm opposed to that. So would you take it away from the NBA? Yes, hundred uh, percent. 
I, I mean, I think again, what's the purpose beyond entertainment? Literally, it's literally just to make it. That's more all fun. it is. So, yeah. but you're basically saying is, hey, we're going to give you. I mean, imagine in golf, and and Tiger's seventy feet out, and you go, you know what? We're in the what the fifteenth hole. You're going to put it five feet from the hole now. Or in football, you get the ball back with like thirty seconds to go. And if you call a timeout or yeah. whatever it is, like you get to use your one time, advance it to the fifty yard line or something. Yeah. Hey, automatic triple in the ninth inning. You, you start with a guy on third base. They are discussing that yeah, for extra like, innings. Right? 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 But my problem is all of these rules. Where's the competition element? Like you got to earn it. And why are you giving a professional team an advantage in the first place? So we can watch LeBron take a That's fadeaway. It. So we can watch Derek reason. Fisher with point four seconds left hit a fadeaway for the win against the Spurs ten years ago. All right, what would you change? Uh, see, it's not a specific rule. I would eliminate situational replay in the NBA, in college basketball, even in the NFL. All replay, or here's here's my theory: you would get five opportunities every single contest to challenge any play you want, any violation, anything, anything that you think could be reversed upon an instant replay. You get five chances as a coach. To challenge that, yeah, nothing else beyond that. You never go to the monitors beyond that. You never do. There's no, you know, inside two minutes, late in the fourth quarter. None of that. So they make a call, and then if you strategically save your challenges or yes. your replay, whatever, then you get to use one, including foul calls. NBA, you don't call a foul on my guy against. You don't call the foul. You miss the foul call. I get to throw a flag or whatever it is to challenge that call. I so, might even reduce it to three each. Because otherwise, it's, it could be. My guess is there's fewer than ten video replays in a game right now. Yeah, you could reduce you could re, you could reduce it to six or fewer even because teams are going to save them and, and then maybe not use them at the end. I, I kind of like where you're going with this one. Five might be a bit much. Is your goal to get? I just came up with this about thirty reviews? seconds ago. No, I like uh, it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stop ripping so it. Ignore, no, ignore, I'm, ignore I'm the like numbers. Holes. <laughs> ignore the numbers for a minute. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think just basically, basically, I disagree. The, the, the no. plays, the plays that are replayed are usually not the plays I care about. I think what we really care about are that missed foul, the two minute report in the NBA, man. Like this thing that happened in Toronto and Cleveland in Game One when Kevin Love hits DeRozan with the elbow, and they say, okay, DeRozan. I mean, Kevin Love should have been called for a flagrant, but DeRozan fouled him before that, and you get that report afterwards, like. The reports are hilarious. Like they, they are. Hey, we totally screwed you seven times like, in the last come on, two minutes, man. and hope you feel better about it. That's why I say five is because I think you have some late game situations where you go, "Hey, look, man, you missed that foul. I want you to go back to the monitor." So, but five might be a bit much. Whatever the number is, if you get it wrong, you lose a timeout too. Let's add that. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm with that. Okay. I can get with that. Final question uh, today. It's Star Wars Day. May the fourth be with us all. But tomorrow. It's Cinco de Mayo, so let's do this. Now, humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. It's an all-Mexican ranking, ranking, gentlemen. People, food, liquor, resorts, wow. walls, whatever you want. Give me your top trace or your top single, whatever you've got. An all-Mexican rank them. Well, I'm going to go Quattro here. Okay. Number four. We're going to count it down here. I'm going to give you a little, little taste of some sports, some uh, some of everything here, okay? Uh, we're going to go number four, my favorite Mexican baseball player of all time, 
played in the 90s and was one of the more underrated hitters in a loaded lineup in Colorado, Vinny Castilla. Mm, okay. Like Vinny Castilla had three consecutive 40 home run seasons in the heyday of Coors Field and uh, garnered MVP votes on four different occasions. And the reason why I like Vinny Castilla, when I went on one of my four Mexico spring break trips in college, we went to Mazatlan for two of them, and uh, we went to a uh, Mazatlan Venados gift shop. That's the baseball team, the winter baseball team in Mexico. And that's when I found out that one of the legendary Venados players was Vinny Castilla. So I've always had this thing for Vinny Castilla for some reason. I don't know if he was juicing. I don't know. They didn't have a humidor. And- yeah, whatever. Oh, Robert. Yeah, Vinny Castilla. <laughs> Number three. Uh, number three, the best Mexican buffet in the Twin Cities, Old Mexico in Roseville. Oh, classy. Number two. Number two, the most noteworthy Mexican boxer of all time, Julio Cesar Chavez. Number one. And number one, representing once again Mazatlan, Mexico, Pacifico beer. On tap, in a bottle, with a lime, whatever. It's the best beer that comes out of Mexico. Pacifico. All right. Yes. That's a very good list. All right. How many do you want here? Three, two? I think I'll take three. I think three. One, two. Number three. The quesadilla. uh, Maybe the greatest invention of all time in the world of food. Uh, You know, young daughters and like, you know how easy it is to put together like some cheese and like a couple tortillas and some sour cream. Like, do you put anything else in it or just plain <sighs> cheese? A little, I mean, a little tomato. Some it depends, but you can whip them up so fast. But a good quesadilla, there's nothing better to me. I love quesadillas. Wow, that's my number one. Number two, George Lopez, who I think is the funniest man on the planet. Wow, who I think is the funniest Couldn't man. Disagree more on I, George Lopez. Yeah, wow, the planet. I love. I love George Lopez. I always wonder, like. George I never Lopez met anybody on TBS who, again. I don't know if I, I. I just don't know if no, I get it. T- I've never met anybody who liked George Lopez. So I'm curious. <laughs> TV TV George Lopez is different than stand up George Lope, Lopez. Is so stand up George Lopez is George dirty or what? Yeah, he's funny. Stand up George Lopez is really, really, really funny. Okay, uh, actually, I saw stand up Howie Mandel last night. Yeah. At the uh, the annual Second Harvest charity fundraiser event. It was probably a crowd of a thousand inside uh, the St. Paul River Center, and I've only seen Howie Mandel on TV, and he's like Howie Mandel on yeah, TV. Yeah. He was hilarious for thirty minutes. Just he basically makes fun of how much of a germaphobe and how much of a hypochondriac he is for thirty minutes, in a way that's like, I mean, he's very much aware of how weird he is, and he just uses that for a stand-up routine. So I was pleasantly surprised last night by Howie Mandel. Anyway, number one for my number one is really just the. I couldn't come up with one. The country overall, the people, you just love Mexico, people, the culture, the, the everything that comes with it. Um, that's my number one. I think I was playing with the idea of I dated a young woman. I was like seventeen. It was from Mexico. She could be my number one, but that could be weird. I don't want to get into the story, but um, I think we you should tell again? the full story when we come back. Yeah, here, actually. yeah no, but but number one is just the entire <laughs> the Mexican jail the cell that Myron was in one time back in spring break. You know. <laughs> Just the entire country. I couldn't pick one thing 
The food, the food poisoning is number one. When you drink the water. That. Yep. Actually, it's number two, but that's just me. <laughs> it was actually a little bit of number three. I didn't even know what it was. Uh, we still have Game Show Friday later this hour. We're going to give away. We definitely have uh, tickets to Northern Invasion, and we have a four-pack or a four-pass, whatever, to Baker National Golf Club. Now that it's golfing weather, uh, we'll come back. Let's revisit our Wiggins conversation from earlier, too, with Myron Medcalf in for Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. I've been waiting for this for a long time. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Tom sent in his related to Mexico rankings in honor of Dave's question. And questions there, Cinco de Mayo tomorrow. Our loyal listener, Tom Myron, says, Number one on his list is beautiful Mexican women. Mm -hmm. Number two, the Excellence Resort in Riviera Maya. Number three, I like this one too, Don Julio Tequila. Hmm. Uh, Number four, authentic Mexican tacos. Yes. Very generalized, but like yeah, this street is taco authentic. Type thing. Yeah, like it's like street tacos, right? Like, you know, soft shell, small. And then uh, Carta Blanca beer, which I've never even heard of. But hmm. Tom says it's very underrated, and Tom is a bartender. I trust his judgment on this. Hmm. Tom knows. Tom, tweet back at us where in the Twin Cities can we find Carta Blanca beer? And we will uh we will seek that out sometime this week. Good question. I want to ask you something else about Andrew Wiggins here. We've kind of ducked in and out of this Wiggins thread throughout the show, and I and I got a tweet from somebody, and it's it's a justifiable question based on the things we talk about on this show. Someone asked me a couple days ago, why do you rip Wiggins for his lack of passion, but give Joe Maurer a pass for being subdued? And that's a, it's a fair question. I think it's a very easy answer from my standpoint. It's two things. Number one, Maurer is a borderline Hall of Fame player, so whatever his process has been, has worked for him. Mm-hmm. He's if he doesn't get in, he's going to be Hall of Very Good. So, yeah. so his process has worked for him. Andrew Wiggins' process has not worked to maximize his ability yet. Uh, and then number two, I think it's totally different sports, and that in baseball, fire and passion and urgency can sometimes work against you. And 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 I guess I would say that in basketball and and in a lot of ways football and hockey too, but sp- specifically basketball. Players can impose their will and dictate action more. I mean, in baseball, you can't just walk up to the plate and be like, I'm going to hit a bomb yeah, right now. Exactly. In basketball, you can walk up court with the basketball and you can say, I'm going to score a basket right now and and complete that. Not every time, but a large percentage of the time. Yeah, it's, it's a different, uh, the demeanor that's necessary to, I think, excel in both sports are, are, are different because of what you just mentioned. Um, you dictate the terms in basketball in ways that you just can't. Uh, it, in baseball, and like you said, Mowers has a track record where he can do whatever he wants. You know, Wiggins is trying to establish that. And, you know, we kind of talked about this earlier. And I don't, I don't, like, I'm not trying to say American players are better, but I feel like we see this with a lot of non-American players, European players, um, Canadian players, where they didn't grow up playing the way that we did. Outside of America, uh, after the 92 Dream Team, like countries around the world started to open up academies, skill academies, you know, programs to learn the fundamentals of basketball. And that's why I think we have the most skilled generation of players from all over the world. But I don't think they had the same passion and spirit and edge that we had in America where you got to learn to beat your big brother first. You got to beat the guy on the playground. Like, from a from a very early age, we're competing in ways that other countries are not, and I think that's why we have a lot of that fire. And you don't see as much of that from non-American players. I mean, this is going to go even 
deeper. I'll I'll take what you just said and like I'll go back three hundred plus years. Like yeah. our country almost has little brother syndrome, right? Like <sighs> let's get away from the British. Let's revolutionary war. Um, that's I mean I'm not saying that like Andrew Wiggins doesn't succeed because his country never went through yeah. you know getting but but I think you're right in that for whatever reason there's just a lot of players in the NBA that whether it's background or competitive environment or whatever it was like. There's a there's a certain fire that you don't see in a lot of international players. Does that mean that there are no fiery personality international no. players? I mean, Manu Ginobili, look at him for instance. 100%. Uh, Ricky Rubio seems fiery, and with Wiggins, maybe we talked about this earlier too. Maybe passion's not the right word. It's it's almost an urgency to to get to your 90th percentile. Yeah, it's a it's a want to be like Kobe Bryant. And his game had flaws in it too. But Kobe Bryant was shooting a hundred a, a thousand shots before team practice, right? Yeah. I mean, he was he would text and call his trainers at all hours of the morning and drive people crazy because he was obsessed with being the best player in the NBA. And sometimes I don't even know if Andrew Wiggins is obsessed with like beating the team in front of him in a playoff series. And I, that bothers me. I think you just used the word, the right word, obsessed. Sure. You want to see a guy who just can't comprehend losing. Like who's just so bothered by losing, can't sleep at night. Joel Embiid strikes me as that way. To I some think extent. Embiid has that. You know, else Victor Oladipo has that. Like that's the kind of young edge you want to see. Um, but I, I don't know. I look at Tristan Thompson. I look at other guys. I look at other European players. They're so skilled because that's how they learn the game. And our players are skilled too. And more and more, we're seeing kids who grew up never playing anything but organized basketball from the time they were little kids. Right, this generation of players, the older guys who look at the Barclays and just we love some of those guys. Those guys weren't as skilled as these kids are now, but they play with a certain fire and passion, heart. Would you shop Andrew Wiggins in the next few months? No, but next summer I would if he didn't perform. Next trade deadline, I think you have to get if if you realize it's not going to work, you got to make the move now rather than try to wait this thing out. Because the NBA is just too volatile, you know. If, if you're going to try to create cap space somehow with a bunch of expiring contracts, whatever you're going to do, you don't you don't wait on that if you just don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I think the worry is if you if you even have a hunch that he's just not going to get a whole lot better, and there, for whatever reason, it's just there's just there's not going to be a next level with Tom Thibodeau here. And this is where Tom Thibodeau has to have a lot of self awareness. This is what's conflicting because like the coach who's having trouble getting the most out of Wiggins is also the general manager that has to assess that situation, which is impossible. And so my worry would be if you're thinking about trading him and then you wait another six to nine months and he's still kind of the same player, if the pool of teams that would have traded for him last year was 15 and now it's five, what will it be in six or nine months from now? Is it going to be zero with that contract? That's a really, really good point. Um, But I think you get over the fear of it in that we're watching the Boston Celtics without really three of their best players. You know, Marcus Smart ain't healthy, and, and they're going to win this series against a Sixers team that a lot of people thought mm. the process is now. They right? might even get to the finals. That team, like Brad Stevens is, is such a... Is Brad Stevens and that system yes. collectively better than LeBron? And we might find out. And that's amazing. But we're seeing things like that. We're seeing Anthony Davis lose to Marcus Cousins and get that team, you know, to advance that team in the playoffs. You got a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. I think you bet on how much better he's going to become and what you can do. Like, Towns is going into a place where I think it's going to be like, 
put four solid dudes around him, and he's going to be so dominant that you're still going to be a playoff team. I think that's his ceiling. Mm-hmm. And Wiggins can either be a part of that or not. Yeah, I mean, with Towns, too, I do think Towns has that obsession with winning, but I think he channels his energy in, in, in ways that are unproductive sometimes where he'll complain about calls too much on the court or he'll get flustered sometimes and get into these one-on-one matchups where it's about ego instead of winning. And if he can, if he can get past that immaturity on the court and if he can get to a place where, like a lot like Kevin Garnett, 20 years ago where all of his anger was focused on being productive on the court instead of like KG, if unless I'm misremembering KG wasn't one to like lay back and bitch at officials as much. Yeah. Uh, Tim Duncan would give a sideways glance, but there was never any question about like whether Tim Duncan was fully immersed in what had to happen on the court. And in towns, there's like there's still a little bit of a gap there with towns. Yeah. I think he'll iron it out. He will iron it out. I, I interviewed him after a game in Kentucky where he scored like 20 points. And they'd won. I said, Towns, how do you feel? He said, horrible. I said, what do you mean? And he went down the list of all the things he didn't do. I love everything that comes with Towns and his competitive spirit. And that's real. That's not something someone gave him. That dude was 16 years old with that. You know, He was at Kentucky with that. And he's going to continue to grow because of that. I just hope Wiggins picks up some of that. Yeah. You know? You want to give away some prizes here when we come back? Yeah, let's do it. We need callers four and five to 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. It's Game Show Friday with Mackie and Judd, but it's Myron in for Judd. Uh, we're going to give away Northern Invasion tickets. We're going to give away a four-pass golf, Baker National, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Callers four and five, back with a Game Show next. Bill Mackey, Judd Zolgad. This descent into decrepitude is going to be long and agonizing. Mackey and Judd. It's going to be absolutely horrific to watch. On 1500 ESPN. Game Show Friday! It is Game Show Friday! With Mackey and Judd. <laughs> I just got one. <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> ah, here are your hosts. No Judd today. It's Phil Mackey and Myron Metcalf. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and man. sleepy Sam Darnold. This <laughs> is like, like NFL Live is on our TCL TV right now, and it's like Sam Darnold <laughs> just woke up, <laughs> rolled woke out of up. bed. He's got like bed hair. <laughs> football. Yeah. No, so uh, football, football, football. <laughs> I think Eli Manning is going to pass the torch to Sam Darnold, not in terms of like New York quarterbacks, but Manning face, Manning face, yes. Darnold yes. face. <laughs> you got one today already. <laughs> they also showed some assistant coach for the Jets that hasn't. It's like he's wearing a medium Jets T-shirt, walking oh, around in shorts. He hasn't missed chest day in two decades. Uh, can someone tell me where the uh, bench press is? He starts like first dates, like, so what do you bench? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> what don't I bench, I'll, bro? I'll pick that up right there. <laughs> All right, we have some great prizes to give away here. And congrats already to Mark and Tim. You're both going to win something uh, in this competition for Game Show Supremacy. We have a foursome to Baker National. Cart not included there, but you, you get to golf at a cool golf course. It's got to be used before Memorial Day or after Labor Day. So, but you can still golf like all throughout the month of May. Got a few weeks here. And October golfing is some of the best golfing. Yeah, September even. We also have 
1500 ESPN slash Minnesota United prize pack, travel mug, etc., etc., t-shirts, and a pair of tickets to Northern Invasion May 12th through the 13th at Somerset Amphitheater. Before we explain the game here, let's see what we got. Mark, are you with us? Yes. Awesome. Tim, are you there? I'm here. All right. Tim's fired up today. And Myron, are you here? Myron, hello. I'm, I'm here. All right. Myron's going to provide some comedic uh, background vocals for this game show Friday. <laughs> we'll try. Dave, what game will these gentlemen be playing? Get very, or get ready, I should say, for a very no, get very ready. Get very <laughs> Mark Tim ready for a very special edition. I don't believe we've ever played this game before. It is simply titled Kentucky Derby Winner. Or pop musician. All right, Kentucky Derby winner or pop musician. At least we've never played it on the air. We play it off the air pretty much every day. Oh it's yeah, one of our it's, favorite games. It's great fun. Uh, so the way this is going to work is we're just going to throw out the name of either a Kentucky Derby winner or a pop musician, and uh, you guys have to determine which one it is. We're going to ask you five each, and the the best score after five is going to pick his prize first. Make sense, Mark and Tim. Yes. All right. We'll start. We'll start with Mark on this one. Is it a Kentucky Derby winner or a pop musician? Ali Sheba. Ali Sheba. I'm going to say a pop musician. No. Oh. Actually, the 1987 Kentucky Derby winner. Wow. Ali Sheba. Can't believe you guys didn't remember Ali Sheever. Yeah, I would go. I would go on Popstar. Let's try this one on Tim here. Are you ready, Tim? Go ahead. Lucky Debonair. Lucky Debonair, Kentucky Derby winner or pop musician? Lucky Debonair. Um. Five seconds. Uh, horse, horse. Yes. Let's go with horse. And that is wow. correct. Yes, that is the 1965 Kentucky Derby winner. Lucky Debonair. Lucky Debonair. Yeah. It's a thoroughbred or it's like, something. It's like a Motown act. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go back to Mark here. Let's try this one. The Mecca. Was the Mecca a pop star or a Derby winner? I'm going to say pop musician. Yes, nice. Mark knows his EDM slash hip hop <laughs> artist from St. Lucia, and that's what the Mecca is. All right, back over to Tim. Tim Tam is Tim Tam a horse or a pop musician? It sounds like a horse. It does sound like a horse. Wow. That is right. It's because it is a horse. I would have bet like. Some some ex member of Tribe Called Quest or something, some like nineties <laughs> rapper. Yeah, Tim Tam was uh, was featured on uh, one of those Fifty Cent albums from like the early two thousand. Yep. All right, back to Mark here. Tim has a two to one lead going into round three. Kentucky Derby winner or pop musician Charlie Atom. Charlie Atom, A T O M. Horse or musician. I'm going to say that's a horse. Of course not. No. no. Uh, how do you, Mark, how are you not up on your EDM <laughs> DJ producers from Mexico? What is wrong with you? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, my bad. My I bad. mean, your catalog does not go deep enough. All right, here we go. Back to Tim here. Zendaya. 
Tim, is Zendaya a derby winner or a pop musician? I am scared. That's a pop musician. Tim's on fire right now. Yep, that Zendaya is an American actress and pop singer, apparently. She's kind of famous. She, I've got a 10-year-old and 8-year-old. She's... She's kind of famous. Like YouTube famous or like MTV famous? I think like famous. Disney, New Age, era famous. Okay. Like, kids know her, I think. Dave, did you know who's in that? No Dallas? idea. No. This is no. where you start to feel old. When you're like, <laughs> I mean, at least Myron has kids and can <laughs> keep up on it. Uh, all right, back over to, uh, to Mark here. Mark, you're on life support. You're going to have to answer one correctly here pretty soon. George, okay. George Smith, a horse or a pop musician? I'm going to say... Horse. Yes, wow. George Smith was the Derby winner in 1916. <laughs> Love that name. They of a didn't horse. spend any time on that name, did they? 16. <laughs> like everybody else coming up like all these fancy names. They named horses like <laughs> members of the <laughs> family. Yeah. Let's name the horse George. Bullet. No. How about George, George Smith? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> all right, uh, Tim. This is Tim for the win here. Are you ready, Tim? This is for my line of folks. Go ahead. All right, here it is. Lights. Lights. Kentucky Derby winner or pop musician? What is that, light? Like, lights. Like, like you turn, turn on a light. light. Yeah. Plural, lights. lights. Light. Um, I gotta say pop musician. Says pop musician. For the win! Nice. Congratulations to Tim. Tim either watches a lot of horse racing or has a lot of 10-year-old daughters. Not sure. That's, that's a better name than George Smith for a horse. Like, that should have been a horse's name. Congratulations to Mark and Tim. You are both winners on Game Show Friday today. Let's quiz, let's quiz Myron on some of the rest of these here. Okay. What about uh, Count Turf? Count Turf. Kentucky Derby winner or pop musician? Counter has to be a sounds like a like an indie rapper from like ninety two. It's odd, oddly specific. This is how it sounds. Count Turf. <laughs> what if he was a hundred percent right there? Just like <laughs> yeah. uh, Count Turf won the Derby in nineteen fifty one. Wow, nineteen fifty one. The other one I was going to ask is Becky G. Becky G. That sounds like a music. American singer and uh, an actress. Dave also put a Lithuania singer on this list we didn't get to. Simona or Simana. Simana. S-I-M-O-N-N-A. I, for one, am a connoisseur of the Lithuanian <laughs> pop charts. It all starts with the name, though, right? Like, you got to invest. You can't be in the George Smith Club. Like, you got to invest <laughs> in the name. Whether it's horse racing or music, you got to spend time on the name. They just weren't quite as creative in 1916 when naming yeah. their animals. Yeah. Mackie and Judd now continue. You're listening to The Wreck. Yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect name for us. We could just switch it right now. On 1500 ESPN. Beautiful day outside today. In fact, it's already over 70. It's 74. And you know what that means? The official Garage Logic GL opener starts in just about 13 minutes. Celebrate with 1500 ESPN and GL. One to three today. They're doing a live broadcast at Charlie's on Pryor in Pryor Lake. So get out there and enjoy one of the Scramble Friday drink specials. You can also enter to win a new Legacy 850 garage door opener from Overhead Door Company of the Northland. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. at 74 and sunny. Nice. Woo! 
That's awesome. <clears throat> Dave Dahl, Dave Harrigan, I can't even tell the difference. Yeah, you you count on Dave either way. <laughs> there it is, yeah. So count on Dave for sure. Uh, so Meyer Medcalf's been hanging out with us. It's been awesome having him on the show. Judd's back on Monday. Uh, if you missed any of our stuff from today, you can go back. We had a half-hour scoop session with Doogie. A lot of Wolves, Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau stuff in that. Go find that on demand. Kevin Seifert on Vikings. Uh, we've done a lot of Andrew Wiggins and sort of like Wolves discussions. One thing we haven't talked about at all this week on the show. So Quinn Carroll, this has been a big story locally the last couple of days, Myron. Quinn Carroll is the number one Minnesota, depending on which publication, but he's the number one Minnesota high school football prospect in the in the state. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he goes on Care Eleven the other night, and it's you know it's ratings measurement time, right? I think it's it sweeps now, and so you're looking for. So I get why Care Eleven did it. And I understand why Quinn Carroll wanted to make his announcement on TV. I mean, a lot of kids do it, right? It oh, happens yeah. all the time. Oh. So I personally had no problem with it. Didn't even think twice. Like, oh, he, had, he was maybe going to pick the Gophers, but winds up going to Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a Notre Dame fan, too. So my grandfather played at Notre Dame hmm. uh, under Newt Rockney back 90 years ago. But anyways, I thought nothing of it. Oh, whatever. Like, he's the top recruit in the state. He picks a college on TV, whatever. People were mad. Yeah. Like, Gophers fans were mad. Yeah. And it was kind of... If a if a gopher if PJ Fleck plucks a kid from Florida Nobody or can. Ohio State, are you ever feeling bad for like the fans of the Buckeyes? I don't yeah. know. I, I felt like it was a little hypocritical the reaction of some Gophers fans. It, it, it is, and I, and I think it's more pronounced in places like Minnesota where you don't get a lot of homegrown elite kids like that to stay. Right. So I think there is more of this feeling of like it's a personal thing against you if you leave the state. Whereas, I mean, I go to Cali, you go to Florida. They're just used to losing people because their talent pool is so vast and so large. But, like, you don't own these kids. I I had a chance to cover a Notre Dame game, a football game for ESPN last season. Dude, and I'm walking around on game day like I'm Rudy or something. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe what is here and the tradition and the whole campus. Everything. Mm -hmm. So you can't knock a kid for picking a school like that. But we don't own these kids. And I think, PJ, the facilities are going to help a lot. But these kids don't grow up thinking, I got to save my hometown program. That's just, it doesn't exist anymore. We want them to think that, but they don't. They don't. Yeah. Not to mention, if you're Quinn Carroll, I'm putting myself in his shoes. And I just watched the NFL draft (laughs) round one last week, and I saw two Notre Dame offensive linemen in the top 15 picks. And I'm like, wait a second. Mm. That's an offensive line factory right now. And it's a bunch of seniors. He probably, it's possible, I'd have to go look at to see uh, who their tackles are right now. But like they just lost one of the NFL draft, Mike McGlinchey, right? And so it's possible he starts as a freshman, at the very least, has a chance to play and then get in there as a sophomore. And so, like, you. I think PJ Fleck is going to do good things with this program, and he's yeah. already he's brought in some good recruits. It's not often that, and again, depending on the recruiting service you look at, it's not often the Gophers bring in multiple four star recruits in one class, and that's what he's doing right now. Yeah, but I don't blame a Quinn Carroll. He, this this kid has a chance to play NFL football, and Notre Dame is an offensive line NFL factory right now. Go play for Brian Kelly. Like, I, it's I don't know. The reaction was weird to me. Well, and it doesn't help the next kid in Quinn Carroll's shoes. To, to think that that's the reaction. Like, you got to, at the end of the day, do what's best for you. And, you know, you should encourage that. Like, I think it's a good thing to have a Quinn Carroll because you go, wow, maybe the talent pool is getting better. And even having a guy like that considered to you should mean something. But 
it's just a different. I mean, I was dealing with this. Other states are in the Midwest are dealing with this. Kids aren't growing up going, I got to go to Wisconsin. It's just not that way mm-hmm. anymore. And you're going to lose the Quinn Carrolls. But I think, like you said, PJ will still find a way to get top talented kids into that program. What do you think about PJ Flack? You know, I did a story for him for ESPN.com at the start of the year, kind of following him around at Big Ten Media Day. And I played high school football with his college teammate. Randy Drew at Northern Illinois. So they're close. So I talked to Randy about him and some other guys who know him. And this is really who he is. Like the personality thing, people thought, oh, man, is this fake? You know, is this a little bit of uh, who's the Gophers coach? Uh, Tim, Tim Brewster. Tim Brewster. But I think P.J. honestly just wired that way. And that energy, I think, connects to this generation of players. But even he realizes it don't mean anything if you don't win, you know. If you don't win, it'll wear thin, and people get tired of it. Um, but but what he did at his last stop proves he can develop talent. And if he gets the proper time to develop talent here, I think he'll win. Yeah, he had, keep in mind, like two drafts ago, he helped produce out of a two or, th- depending, a two or three star uh, out of high school receiver yeah. in Corey Davis, right? Yeah. And that dude was the number five overall pick <laughs> in the NFL draft. So there's some substance there. And I, I think people are off of that comparison now. I don't know how many people like it. It's such an irresponsible comparison now to say Tim Brewster, PJ Fleck. Like Tim Brewster was a tight ends coach for twenty plus years, yeah, and then all of a sudden pops up and gets a Power Five head coaching job. PJ Fleck at least rolled up his sleeves, had played in the NFL for a few minutes, right? Had rolled up his sleeves and produced a winner, albeit in a non uh, non Power Five setting, yeah. and produced a winner in a team that went toe to toe with Wisconsin in a bowl game. Is his personality quirky? Yes. Does he have weird acronyms and vernacular that makes you sort of tilt your head sideways? Like, yeah. what? Hyperculture. What is, okay, that's a little bit odd, but yeah. of course. But you know what? It doesn't matter if a 45, 55, 65-year-old gopher fan thinks it's weird and annoying. It only matters that he's connecting with 17, 18, 21-year-old kids and getting the roster as good as it can be and then squeezing you know value out of those players. Yeah, and and like you said, he's proven that he has the energy. I think it's going to demand to, you know, deal with some of the blowback in a place like this as you're building that up. So, nah, I, I think he's got another year to prove that he's worth it. But I think last year was a good step. Yeah, I think uh, man, go go for sports. are in an interesting spot right now because Richard Pitino has had these up and down. He's had two of the worst seasons in recent go for basketball yes. history, but then had this pop up year where they went to the NCAA tournament as a five seed. And I think this is a, a big time swing year for him with that basketball program. You've got facilities now. You've got you've got good players. I mean, yeah. Isaiah Washington was Mr. Basketball in New York, even though he looked underwhelming last year. So um I think NCAA tournament is the expectation there. For football, I would say be patient for another year or two, even though that's hard to say to a fan base that hasn't experienced big time success in like fifty bleeping years. Yeah. I, I mean football I agree that you need some patience. Basketball the national perception of Richard Pitino going into this year, honestly, is can he coach? Like, can he coach and develop? And I feel like this is the year for him to prove it. Last year was a disaster with everything that happened. There was a lot of him in that. Like, there are games that you don't fall asleep against a Miami at home. You got to win games like that. For sure. But a lot of things went wrong. The whole, like, five-on-three debacle, too, against Alabama. Yeah. I couldn't tell if he was trying to take his foot off the gas pedal to not embarrass them or if they legitimately didn't know what to do in a five-on-three Situation. Well, and and then we find out that Colin Sexton, who led his team to the tournament and scored like forty points a game in the SEC tournament, was just really, really good. Yeah, he was. So there was like that He's element just like bombing too. threes from <laughs> NBA range in that there, game. There yeah. was that element too. But I think people are going into this year saying, 
If you can coach and develop talent, man, here's the year to prove it. For when sure. you see a Loyola Chicago in the Final Four, that's when you go, look, man, you got to get into the tournament. Teams with less are getting in. You should do the same. Exactly. Myron Metcalf, good stuff today, man. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for having me. Judd's back on Monday, and you can find all of our on-demand content, the Mackie and Judd show page at 1500ESPN.com or Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you would subscribe to podcasts. We'll see you guys Monday.